Welcome to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ, hosted by Personal Responsibility Recovery. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Mark Myers. And welcome to the Recovery Hour with, uh, it always says your host, Mark Myers. Host is actually Dr. Kirby Stewart. Well, I'm the host of the host. I think. Maybe yeah. the host most. <laughs> like yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go there. Um, the recovery hour with Dr. Kirby Stewart. And, uh, you know, we do keep it light a little bit. But uh, if you're new to our show, uh, it's every Monday from 7 to 8. I'm sorry, from 6 to 7. Uh, the biggest thing that we want to do with the recovery hour is we want to draw attention to addiction, to substance use disorders, alcoholism. We need to destigmatize that. As a community, we need to do better. Uh, substance use disorder, especially the fentanyl, leading cause of death now in the 18 to 45-year-old range. And, uh, you know, with treatment centers out there, with, with all of the resources, we, we have to do better. Um, the leading cause of death is uh, just a mind-boggling thing to me. And, you know, we want to destigmatize conversations on it. We want to get rid of the shame. We want to get rid of the guilt. Um, too many times substance use disorders are thought of as a moral failing. They're thought of as bad decisions. They're thought of as bad behaviors. And, you know, it's just something that, that our small treatment center, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com, we, we, we want to be used as a resource. We want to start the conversation. So we always say at the beginning of the show, if, uh, if you're experiencing this, if somebody that you know, someone you love, someone that's close to you, a child, a spouse, a parent, if there's a, a question that substance use disorders are a problem, chances are a conversation will help. And uh, we're always there for that conversation. Our, our contact page, um, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Again, we're a small 12-bed residential treatment program for when that is needed. And uh, you know, we just have an amazing team out there. And of course, Dr. Kirby Stewart is... Uh, not only the host of our show, but the spiritual director for uh, Personal Responsibility Recovery. And you know, we always try and bring in a great guest. Man, man, we've got one this week. We've uh, Mackenzie Kelly, uh, councilwoman for Austin uh, City Council. And uh, really, a, really a treat to have everybody on the air with us here, Dr. Yeah, Kirby. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here tonight, especially given Mackenzie's presence. Absolutely. Mackenzie, welcome to thank, the show. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. And I know that, oh gosh, I guess everything that's on everybody's mind and we were talking about earlier is the, the horrific acts that are happening in the Middle East right now. And, you know, there, there are over a thousand people dead and uh, all this on terror attacks. And I don't ever, ever want to negate any tragedies that happen. But I want to remind people that based on CDC, we lost three times that last week to substance use disorder, and that's always a mind-boggling number to me that, that yeah, we lose 10,000 10, people a month. You know, yeah, true. And while that number is certainly an attention grabber, I keep insisting that that's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, it is. Because we're, we're not talking about ruined lives. We're talking about folks who've passed— and that's probably about 5% of the ruined lives number. So we've got a work to do. 
and our our hearts go out to our community also this past week i know a, another hayes high school student um fell victim to fentanyl poisoning and you know i i am a parent and uh, have been in recovery a very very long time something happening to my child is the one thing that just chokes me to the point i can barely breathe and uh you know again as a community we have to do better on this. We we are never. I think it was Dr. Stewart. I think you you were the one who said we are never going to win the war on the supply of drugs. Side. Yeah, the, the supply if, side. If you, if you look at the issue as being one composed of equal parts supply and demand, we've been trying for decades now to uh, get rid of the problem by limiting supply. And that has not worked. And uh, while I think we need to step up our efforts to do everything we can do to limit supply, I don't think that's the solution. I think the solution is to limit demand, to do we, away with demand. We, we did that a great deal. And, Mackenzie, we don't mean to be ignoring you over there. <laughs> oh, I'm learning a lot, guys. This is... This is quite a bit of information. We're giving you some speaking points. Actually. Well, it, uh, <laughs> it, you know, the the demand. You know, we did that with tobacco in in some ways. Oh, uh, absolutely. We, the, we the reduced tobacco. Is a tobacco. success story. You, you it's did a it success during story. prohibition too, and people still got alcohol. Well, during yeah. prohibition, the war on alcohol didn't work out so well, and. Oddly enough, the war on marijuana is not working out so well either. It's right. legal in most of the places. But yeah. just like alcohol that's legal, the fact that it's legal does not mean someone with a predisposed, predisposed genetic predisposition is the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. They're going to be affected differently. My first joint was at 11 years old. It was the holy grail. Hallelujah. I was off to the races. I'm an addict, though. Mm. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a, a few things to talk about. We always kind of in this first segment set our show up a little bit um, of what we do and and who we are. And if you want to join our conversation, of course, 512-836-0590. Uh, we welcome any calls. I don't have the text up today, so unfortunately we'll, we'll need for you to give us a call if you want to join the conversation. 512-836-0590. Um, Dr. Kirby, I'm going to jump in here with only a couple of three minutes left, but I understand, and, and also Mackenzie, the Sobering Center just celebrated five years. That means it came around in 2018. Does that sound about right? It sounds right. It does. And, and they do have some success. It's not what we would hope to see, but Dr. Kirby, to get an idea, Dr. Stewart, my apologies, to get an idea of how quick this moved, I understand you began working on that project in 2012? Well, yeah, actually even earlier than that, talking about it. And then uh, state and city officials began to meet about it uh, around 2011, 2012. Um, and we met and we met and we met. <laughs> <laughs> and... and uh, I left the project in 2015, so I did not see the Sobering Center come into existence. Uh, uh, I was inspired to get involved by the accomplishments of the folks in Houston 
and in San Antonio. Uh, and I thought we should be able to do the same thing in Austin, and, and we eventually did. Uh, so I, I've actually, I'm not aware of what's been going on recently uh, at the Sober Center. Maybe you can fill me in, Mackenzie. Yeah, absolutely. I can't help but think of uh, former council member Kathy Tova when we talk about yeah. the Sobering Center mm-hmm. because it was near and dear to her heart and she instilled that sense of purpose in me with it. But I am happy to say as of August 31st, 2023, what you had a hand in doing has diverted 3,233 clients from the hospital, 5,551 clients were diverted from jail, and over 9,447 individuals have been served by the the sobering center since it opened up. So that's oh, a big wow. deal. That's and, huge. It's huge. And perhaps after the break, we can get into some of the work that they've done and talk about it a little bit more. Well, and, and to say yeah. that diverted, it means 5,000 people did not get thrown in jail right. because that existed. And they got an opportunity to ask for help. And got an opportunity to talk yeah. to a counselor. Yeah. They got an opportunity how, to understand. How amazing is that? I mean, sometimes it just takes one person to say, do you need some help? Here are some resources. Did you know that this existed? And and that's incredible. And that's, again, it it it's what we try to do. And, and Mackenzie, again, I, I can't, uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate you being on the show today to kind of explore some of the options and some of the things that the city of Austin does do, because that's... Uh, that's an important deal. I mean, I, we're a community, and we need to understand what is available because if, we've always said if you wait until the moment of crisis, you're going to go to Google and you're going to pick the biggest ad, and that may not be the best path. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes after this break, and uh, we'll kind of dive into what some of those resources are. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And of course, with Mark Myers and uh, Dr. Kirby Stewart with Personal Responsibility Recovery and our very special guest this evening, uh, Austin City Councilwoman Mackenzie Kelly. Um, and you know, before the break, we were we were talking about a few things. One, the uh, supply side versus the demand side of uh, of the war on drugs, as they call it. And and no, I don't think we're ever going to meet that. I don't think we're ever going to beat the supply side. Um, we've been trying for forty years, maybe. Uh, but the demand, the education part of it, and things like the sobering center that diverted 5,000 people going to jail, um, that gave 5,000 people the opportunity to talk to someone. Those are the things that need to be happening in the community and, and for me, need to be happening at a much larger scale. And, you know, education is going to be the key to this. Um, The shame and guilt of people assuming that addiction, assuming that substance use disorder is a moral failing or is a product of bad decisions or, you know, if you grab your bootstraps and, you know, put yourself, it's not. Um, Dr. Dr. Yeah. Stewart, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, it, it, it's a it's, chronic brain disease. It's a chronic brain disease that impairs people to make, impairs people's ability to make good decisions. So the, the decision making impairment exists before anyone ever picks up. I can attest to that. Yeah. And then once once you start uh, using the substance, that judgment is even further impaired. And then 
by then you're well on your way to denial. And I, you know, it's, it's philosophically speaking, it's fascinating to speculate about the origins of denial, but it has a lot to do with our ideas about free will and agency and choice. And when you're dealing with addiction, though, you're dealing with denial. And, and how to deal effectively with denial is the primary challenge of my, my professional career. And, and I would think that that may be, I mean, Mackenzie, you've got some incredible stats over there. I think if you come to or wake up or you are brought to a sobering center for public intoxication rather than written a ticket and then have the opportunity to visit with someone, have the opportunity to visit with a professional, have the opportunity to get some education, that maybe that helps lessen that denial. Oh, absolutely. Probably not the first, second, third time. (laughs) It breaks it. It breaks it wide open. You know, you you spend a night in a jail and that's an embarrassment. You spend a night in a sobering center and you get a good chance to look at yourself. And uh, yeah. So my uncle, he's been sober for 28 years and Mm. I spent quite a bit of time with him and just talking to him about different things. And we brought this up and he actually mentioned had, had that been around back when I needed it, it would have been great to have because it would have been better than going to jail. It would have been better than getting kicked out of the Air Force. And he explained to me the way that his brain works, Mm -hmm. especially as someone who's addicted to alcohol. He calls it stinking thinking. You Mm -hmm. go into a bar, you you go have one drink, and you tell yourself, I'm just going to have one. Mm -hmm. But he said, by the time I've had one, I'm a different person. So I'm not beholden to what sober me said I was going to do when I go back yeah. in there and have more and it just it completes like it just keeps going and yeah. going and going and yeah. and that sobering center there is a resource i think is extremely valuable to the community not just because of the services it provides but the taxpayer money that's not spent on jailing someone for an addiction and diverting them from the jail so that they can get actual help and get lifted out of their situation is incredibly valuable and yeah. and probably other mental health mental health resources available Sheriff Gleason from Williamson County was our guest last week, and uh, I know Williamson County. You you mentioned that he was your resource officer? School resource officer when I was in high school at Westwood High School. But back then, Williamson County was a place you go on vacation, <laughs> leave on probation, and, come and, back for deferred adjudication. Yes, as he said, pray for deferred adjudication. Yes. yes. <laughs> I've lived in Wilco a long time, yeah, and I love that too. county. I oh, truly do. My heart's in and, Williamson and County. And Sheriff Gleason is, is an amazing individual who has helped do several things like this as well. And I know Travis County has drug courts. Uh, We have programs in Travis County. We have programs in Hayes County. But that's all at the criminal level. It's all at a level after you have kind of gotten into a mess, after you – the denial may may be hard to continue to deny when you're in handcuffs. uh, It's kind of one of the things that broke my denial. Um, But the resources before we get there – things like the Sobering Center. Um, what other, what other uh, resources are available? What, what, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but what other resources does the city of Austin have for someone suffering mental health issues and addiction issues? Yeah, the city puts a lot of money into nonprofits and other non-governmental organizations that assist with people who are experiencing mental health issues. I know for one, Austin Travis County Integral Care is a good resource. Big, um, great resource. They they are very helpful. 
Um, there is a, a little bit of a wait time, but they do have an emergency number that you can call if you're experiencing a mental health crisis. Um, the city of Austin was the first city in the nation to come up with, um, when you call 911, they ask now if you want police, fire, EMS, or mental or health mental services. Health. Yep. That's incredibly valuable to, to the city. Um, and, and they've gone out and assisted people who have had mental health problems. Um, you know, in my experience, there's a, a large population, from what I can tell in the city, where people will self-medicate in a diagnosed or undiagnosed mental Absolutely. illness with drugs or alcohol, and then the situation just spirals even more out of control. Um, self-medication, self-medicating depression with a depressant like alcohol, well, that <laughs> typically just makes it worse. <laughs> does not, uh, or or medicating what ADHD with meth. Those are things that are. I'm I'm not the doctor. Doctor Kirby is, but uh, I think that would be yeah. counterproductive. Well, it is. <laughs> it the the one thing that those substances have in common is that they activate a part of the brain called the reward system, mm -hmm. and that uh, allows you to feel good temporarily. And uh, the drawback, of course, is that it's transient, and that as soon as it wears off, you need more, and then you need more than the more, and then you're circling the drain. Uh, the long-term uh, remedy for it is to switch out the activation of the reward system towards something that's inherently joyful, to, towards a life of connection with other people. And that's, of course, what we promote in, in, the, in the treatment that we do at Personal Responsibility Recovery. In the short run, however, we, we need to be able to connect with each other in the immediate to arrest the self-sabotaging behavior. And, and that can be done through a personal, meaningful connection. So, you know, I, I know there's a guy on the street corner that I pass uh, uh, whenever I'm in Austin, and I, I always ask him how he's doing. And, and he, he's, he's sober now out of our conversations. It's been going on for a couple of years. Uh, I don't know if I had anything at all to do with it, but I know that he's still homeless, but he's found that he can do better if he's not drinking. I think most, <laughs> I think most of us can. Yeah. And you know, the, the homeless uh, boy in Austin, that's, you mentioned that word and <laughs> everything blows up because of the, there's so much done uh, or, or projected to be done um, with the homeless population, and I'm, I'm probably saying that incorrectly. It's not homeless now. It's people experiencing homelessness. Yeah, people experiencing homelessness. Um, and you know, I think it was Sheriff Gleason who the other day said, "I'm all for housing the homeless, but I sure would like to find out why they're homeless, um, because if we don't know the root cause of that." which is probably mental illness, which probably has a lot to do with substance use disorders, uh, PTSD, things that are treatable. But without treatment, um, the homelessness or pe people experiencing, that's a symptom, not necessarily the root cause. It's a symptom of a disease, um, just like multiple arrests, just like 
you know, the third the third marriage that doesn't work, the kids <laughs> that don't do those are symptoms of substance use disorders. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna be coming up on another break here in just a minute. But you know, if you want to join our conversation, five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Please feel free to call and join the conversation. Uh, we're going to be coming up on a break here in about a minute. And I think when we come back, we, we probably want to talk a little bit more about what the connections are that uh, we provide, but also talk about some city resources and what some of those might look like in an ideal world. How could we move towards better treatment, better, uh, better education? The education parts are... That's a, that's a big, big part of it is education and doing so without the, without the stigma, without the shame. And, you know, it's just all tied into it. So um, I think we're doing a break here at uh, 630, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to step out for that for a quick break. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And that's with Mark Myers and, of course, Dr. Kirby Stewart and our very special guest tonight, City Councilwoman uh, Mackenzie Kelly. And, uh, you know, we're talking again a lot about addiction, uh, substance use disorder. If you're just joining us, the Recovery Hour is brought to you by Personal Responsibility Recovery. We're a small 12-bed uh, residential treatment program, have a, an amazing program for residential substance use. But it, it's more about a service for our community. It's more about contact us online, contact us through our website. Uh, let us help be the resource if you are needing help with an addict. Uh, we have a call right now. Daniel, uh, thanks for calling. I understand you need to uh, ask a couple of questions about how to help someone with a, uh, with a drug or alcohol problem. Does that sound accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna learn. Uh, I need some information on what I need to do to be a peer coach. I'm sorry to be a what? A, a peer person to help someone yeah, with drugs or alcohol. Oh, okay. You want to become a recovery coach? Is that, is that right? Oh, okay. Right. I call I call them peer coaches because that's what they call them when uh when I did it back in 2008. Yeah, peer support services. Uh, absolutely. The best bet in Austin is to reach out to Communities for Recovery. I'm they, done. Oh, okay. That's good. They, yeah, just Google them. Okay. That was a, an abrupt end. I, I, there we go. Uh, live radio is always fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Communities for Recovery. They are an amazing have, organization. Yeah, they uh, have training programs for recovery support peer specialists and uh, whether they call them recovery navigators or recovery coaches or whatever, they're, they're uh, individuals who are specifically trained to be of support to someone who's suffering from addiction. And while we're talking about resources, you know, also communities for recovery help with resumes, clothing. Uh, they have so many different things. Their own building is over on the Austin State Hospital grounds, and they're just an amazing organization. They are there to help someone seeking recovery in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, folks that are young in recovery, um, 
can't can't say enough good things about them. Our medical director, Dr. William Loving, uh, very very instrumental in helping get communities for recovery with Dr. Scott Thornton and and Kirby. You were around back in the day on those, and, yeah. And just a just a great organization. And you know, as we sat here, kind of, we we always. We, I think the good stuff of the show always happens when the mics are off and the commercials are on. <laughs> but, uh, Mackenzie, you, you kind of commented uh, about your uncle. Yeah. And, and his comment about, you know, the greatest resource there is, and I have to mimic that, is the 12-step communities. And I know that all of the 12-step communities, uh, our traditions state that we are a program of, promotion, of uh, attraction rather than promotion. So we're quiet about it. We don't put billboards and everything. But the single best resource that someone can find is AA or NA, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, they're around. They're around 24 hours a day. They, the Zoom meetings that are there, the in-person meetings that are there. Now, I know some people who have come in off the street or come in from a sobering center or come in, started attending meetings and never looked back. But like any chronic mental illness or any chronic disease, sometimes you need a little more help than that. Um, Dr. Stewart, I, I know that's your area of expertise when, when, when we do need more help, when the denial is there, when, you know, the, the choice is just not there. We've got to go through a medical stabilization. We've got such a process that has to be done sometimes before those meetings can be made in a regular basis and, and kind of a shifting. What do they, what do they say? You don't have to change anything. You have to change everything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, the changing everything is actually accomplished by changing one thing, which is, is oneself. And when you change yourself in that profound of a way, then everything else shifts. Everything changes. I, I think that the 12 step uh, recovery groups are are particularly valuable, uh, not only because they give a sense of community and offer a chance for people to feel connected with members from their tribe, so to speak, but it's also because they they provide a clear direction and a whole Absolutely. lot of support. Uh, a whole lot of uh, supportive interaction becomes available to an individual. The only requirement to be successful in 12-step program is honesty. Uh, and the trouble with that as the only requirement is most of us, as we enter into the program, are not honest. <laughs> so it's, it, becomes yeah. a, it becomes an interesting dance. But anyway, uh, I, I misspoke. Actually, the only requirement is the desire yeah. to The desire to stop, stop using. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not to, to like stop using. Correct you. But from a clinical point of view, if you don't get honest, it ain't going to work. So uh, yeah. honesty is a fundamental Im imperative. It really is. And, and again, if you want to join our conversation, 512-836-0590. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's so much in, in, in an ideal world – Mackenzie, I, I know you've got a, a long list of accomplishments. You've been on the council, what, two years, if I'm not mistaken? It's my third year. Your third year. Yeah. So we, you're, you're not a rookie anymore then. No, no longer no. freshman. And I looked back in uh, so much of what you've done for the community. I was, I've always tried to prep a little bit, but looking at bios where you're 
part of volunteer fire departments and, and yeah. police and citizen academy and all those types of things that you've just done so much service for our community. Thank you. That's uh, moving forward. What what are the what are the resources other than Sobering Center, the nonprofits that you spoke of? I guess my question: Does the city of Austin provide or get into any type of treatment programs? I know the state used to fund Austin State Hospital. There's OSAR. There's Blue Bonnet. Um, there's a lot of state and county. Does the city of Austin provide any type of direct care, direct detox other than the hospitals or direct treatment for alcohol and drug abuse, substance use disorders? Um, we don't have our own treatment center, so to right, speak. Right. Um, so really it's connecting those people with those resources. And um, I would say that the city knows that 30% of opioid users that have died from an overdose have typically interacted with EMS in the last 12 months related to that specifically. Absolutely. And so that makes that statistic makes identifying people with high risk very important because then EMS can continue to try to make contact with those individuals to try and get them resources and to try and get them lifted out of their situation. Um, it takes multiple times to try and I mean, it's scientifically proven it takes multiple interactions to try and oh, get somebody out of that situation. And a lot of times, I mean, until you hit rock bottom, you're, you're not, you, you and everybody's rock bottom is different, right? So sure. you have to have the resources available and the timing of them, the individual needing the services to be able to get it, to really make a marriage of, of getting into recovery It's a work. bit of a dance. Yes. That, that yeah. what, what do you call it, Dr. Stewart? A moment of clarity that, that well, yeah, people have. Island that. of like lucidity, lighting. moment of clarity. Uh, oftentimes, though, what brings out that moment of clarity is a feeling of compassion that an individual feels like the person that they're talking to is truly connecting with them that connection brings about clarity right yeah it overcomes shame as well compassion is a remedy for shame and connection promotes clarity that's that's my motto what, what do you see do you see looking forward in austin's future uh, more involvement with with treatment or I mean the way the system works right now is that people typically end up being referred to OSAR. OSAR typically I know there are exceptions to this, but typically will refer someone to a facility that more likely than not is getting most of their funding from the state and the state terribly underfunds treatment. How do we get out of that? <laughs> yeah, well I can definitely say that from my perspective, seeing the individuals who we talked about earlier experiencing homelessness, um, being recycled through the system, for lack of a better term, they're in a shelter, they're out, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. Yeah. We don't directly really resolve the root cause of why they are there, like Sheriff Gleason talked about yep. last time he was on the show. And, and I think these people need to really get that root cause treated for. From my perspective as a policymaker and a, a steward of taxpayer money, it would be exponentially less expensive and more of an investment to treat that root cause. What that looks like, I'm not certain. But I do know, I'm real proud that I authored a resolution earlier this year related to Narcan, 
Um, we've been having a lot of opioid overdoses in the city. And Way too many. Through the research I've done, I've noticed that a lot of the hot spots could be just in a jack-in-the-box parking lot. And so the resolution that I authored provide a policy direction to the city manager and EMS to create a pilot program and to teach managers of stores and to get them involved in this, to give them Narcan rescue kits so when this happens, there's another touch point. And then EMS in will come out. And, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I mean, opioid overdoses are are tragic because you can have Narcan on hand and reverse it like that. And then maybe that's a, a chance for somebody to wake up and say, you know what, I don't want this anymore. I'm done. I need to get yeah. into recovery. My life was just saved. Um, but We have a, a very good friend of our program, Charles Thibodeau, who was uh, instrumental in getting that passed through the through the uh, legislature several years ago where it is legal to have Narcan. That used to be like a fentanyl testing strip. It was actually against the law to have it. And uh, that's in all of the vans and in all over the treatment centers and all my personal vehicles. And I wish it was everywhere, truly. There's a grant program at UT, UTSA, morenarcanplease.com. And you can actually order some to distribute to your friends and family or to have on hand at your house. It's absolutely free. Hold that thought. We're going to repeat that web address in just a second. We're up against a break here, and we will be back in uh, just a couple of minutes. Providing professional opinions, resources, and guidance for addiction treatment every Sunday from noon to 1. The Recovery Hour with Mark Myers. And it's Mark Myers and, of course, Dr. Kirby Stewart and uh, our special guest, Mackenzie Kelly, Austin City Councilwoman. And you know we're we're again always just talking so much we kind of kind of overshoot a few things here and there. But uh, I'm only I'm only a DJ one time a week and and have only played one a couple of times in my life. So there we go, um, Mackenzie. I know Kirby, Doctor Doctor Stewart, and I. What's what's the vision? How can we how can we I don't know bring this around? You know my my brain goes to if we spent. $500 million on folks who are experiencing homelessness. And there's about 4,000, I believe. Is it somewhere in that number? Sounds about right. You know, if we spent $20 million, which is 0.2% of that budget, with existing treatment centers, that would treat over 1,000 people a year. Now, they're not all going to be immediate, productive members of society the moment we do that, but they're going to understand the mental illness. They're going to understand the, the path to recovery. And like any, any major uh, what mental illness, they may relapse three, four, or five times, but it's a start. It's a start for folks. And is that idea just so far out there? I mean, it, it, it just it sounds so... I don't know, too simplistic maybe to divert money to existing treatment centers that could genuinely help a part of the population, a huge part of the population, recover. I mean, I think it's a great idea, right? Because ultimately we are investing in something that works. We know that a treatment center is tried and true, will help somebody get out of their situation, come out the other side, a productive member of society, hopefully with with options and a support system to help continue their progress. All that aside, um, it occurs to me that 
the city of Austin does a really bad job of documenting and explaining to the community what they do related to that homeless spending, that $500 million that you just talked about. It's huge. So one of the things that I've been tasked with, I guess charged with by my community, is digging into those contracts, finding out what services we are providing under the guise of homelessness. And I do know that the city provides wraparound services to people who are individually experiencing homelessness. But what does that look like? Does it look like you have a case manager? Does it look like you have treatment for treatment options for addiction, um, alcoholism or drugs? I don't know because it's really deep in in the the pile of documents that I'm getting sent. And so that's something I'm looking into. And I also want to see what the outcomes are because I think that's the most important part. What is baked into these contracts that shows that the person that we give the contract to is required to show a return on that investment? And what does that look like? Because... Honestly, these these are taxpayer dollars, and I have to be a good steward of those dollars. But if we can replicate programs that work, why not? And the one that what was a safe haven. What was the one, Doctor Doctor Stewart? You were referring oh, to that's the, in San Antonio. The, haven a, for Hope. Yeah, ha- there's yes, a for, Haven for Hope. Are you familiar with? I it? am. I went to go visit, and I still Wasn't talk to them great? now. Oh my goodness, I love that. That model is just incredible. What an amazing. What do you program. love about it? What do you find appealing about it? So if people aren't quite yet ready. To, to be sober and to get out of their situation, they mm-hmm. can sleep outside. And mm-hmm. they're not forced to conform to what's going on. I mean, they can't do drugs or drink on the property. Exactly. But the resources are available for when they're ready. And if they are ready, everything's right there on that campus. Yeah. And Place to stay, yeah. job training. Yep. Food. Yeah, <laughs> not the least. You bring your kids. Food and shelter. Yeah. 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 I yeah. Mean, it's, it's a community, though. It provides Maslow's uh, first hierarchy of needs that it meets them all. I yeah, I was going to bring it up, but I didn't want to embarrass you in case you weren't familiar with it. So very familiar, (laughs) of course. That's great. You know, programs like that are. uh, You know, some people will say that that promotes that lifestyle. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Not at all. No, well, they they used to say the same thing about naloxone. If you distribute naloxone, you're just encouraging use use because you're going to make people cavalier about an overdose. And there's still arguments about clean needles that reminiscent of that. So we're always going to have this opposition to allowing people to choose sobriety as, as a life choice and opposition to harm reduction. Uh, but harm reduction has been shown over and over and over again to improve sobriety, to improve treatment success. It, I, don't, I don't know of any harm reduction study that showed, oh, this makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know they're giving out free Narcan at ACL this weekend. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I think yeah. it's fabulous. And now we have with... with Fentanyl. Now it turns out we need even more Narcan because it's so much stronger. And the then more NarcanPlease.com. Yes. The more yes, yes. the more NarcanPlease.com. And you know, there's the new uh, Dr. Carter was mentioning it, and I think you mentioned it. Maybe Matt, the Xylazine, if I'm pronouncing that yeah. correctly, that mirrors yeah, fentanyl. the zombie drug. Yeah. And Narcan doesn't do a thing for it. Yeah, that was before we were on air. I was talking about how yeah. horrible that is. And so the city of Austin, I talked to EMS, and they are actively trying to seek solutions to that because, you know, we're going to blink and that's going to become an epidemic as well. Yes, it will. It really will. And, and you know, it, it all ties into just personal, um, 
I don't want to say choices. It, it ties into the personal denial. And, and this is kind of how we, we start to close our show up here always. And, uh, you know, use us as a resource, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. If you've heard anything tonight that rings true with you, you know, we're a call-in radio show. Very few people call in and say, yeah, I'm at my bottom. I'm, you know, my wife left me and I need help. And that, that doesn't happen on the air too often. But we do get a lot of folks that reach out to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. And that's the, that's the purpose of this show. Addiction and substance use is not a moral failing. It is not a, a series of bad choices. It's Dr. Kirby Stewart, as you put it, it it's, it's lack of choice. Yeah, it's a, it's a disorder in the choice-making mechanism. Uh, you know, we all just kind of assume that everybody has born with a clean slate and free, free will, and that, that comes from our uh, heritage, and yet it turns out to not be true. Uh, it, it, the, the disease or disorder, whichever disease, disorder, it goes back and forth. But the, uh, the reality is that once substance use disorders gets hold of someone, it is a very trying journey to not only become abstinent of all uh, mood and mind-altering substances, but to live life in a way that you're free from the obsessive-compulsive uhness of those yeah, moods. And that, that process starts by asking for help. And if it does. You're, if you if there's someone in your life that you feel might do better sh- if they did ask for your help, then volunteer your help. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Tell them Speak tell them right you, up. <laughs> tell them tell them you love them first, give them a big hug and then and then support them in uh, asking for help. They have to open themselves to receiving the help in order for it to do any good, but if you can get started in that direction, sooner or later it'll happen. It, it will indeed. And Mackenzie, again, thank you so much for being on here. As far as resources, how, how do people get hold of you? If someone wants to get you a, a message to you, is that a, a via the website, uh, the city of Austin? or yeah. So um, before I tell you how to email me, I just want to say that I've been a fan of y'all's show for a very long time. De- Thank you. Stigmatizing, you know, recovery and asking for help is really important. Um, but people can email me at district, the number six, at Austin, Texas, all spelled out, dot gov. Okay. Yeah. And you represent District 6, which is like Lake Travis and up or no? No, no, no. It, Lake Travis northwest. is its own city. I'm uh, northwest Austin. So, northwest Austin. Yeah, far but, northwest Austin. Okay. I'm okay. the like, furthest what is council that? Is member that from Arboretum? City Hall. Further than that. Further so like than Duval that. Duval and 183 all the way out to Brushy Creek, like where okay. Brushy Creek starts, and then all the way to Four Points down 620. Oh, cool. Okay, right. and that's out in Williamson County. Yes, that's the part of the city I live in. People Weird. often forget, but I represent both Williamson and Travis, and I just want everybody in the city who's listening to know and wherever they are, you can email me even if you don't live in my district. I will be more gotcha. than happy to point your email in the right direction. And, you know, it is looking hard at, at resources and knowing where to look and where to go. And, you know, again, there's all these things that are thrown out on the show. Just remember personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Um, there's a contact page on there. Put in a brief note. And that's how we uh, that's how this process begins. And, you know, like Dr. Stewart said, if there's a. Uh, if there's someone you know needs help, 
be that help. Um, start yes. that conversation. Yes. Start, start reaching out. Absolutely. If you think you have, in fact, that's on the assessment, the last question, do you think you have a problem with alcohol? If the answer is yes, look us up.